Welcome to the Investment Turnaround Podcast. Today is a very special episode in which our usual host, Dr. Mariana Bosazan, is interviewed by Jeff Cavanaugh, the head of the Infosys Knowledge Institute. Dr. Mariana Bosazan is an integral investor, serial entrepreneur, philanthropist, published author, and academic researcher. She's earned an outstanding track record as the leading authority on integral investing that she developed based on Ken Wilber's integral theory. She's a full member of the International Club of Rome, fellow in the World Academy of Art and Science, and the European Female Investor of 2019, awarded to her by Band, the Business Angel Network of Germany. Mr. Kavanaugh interviews Dr. Bosazan within the context of their research on how the best companies get the skills they need to thrive in the digital era. Uh, to give a little bit of context, the Knowledge Institute is conducting some research on talent and the acquisition of talent, development, this disruptive digital, digital age. What's, what's the same? What's different? How are companies coping? How are people coping? We're looking at it uh, in three big dimensions. The workforce itself, the people, the work, and the workplace. You know, how is the workplace changing and evolving? We've surveyed uh, over 1,000 people in seven countries. We've talked to a couple dozen executives and academic leaders uh, at, at universities that are trying to help prepare people for the future, either from four-year degrees or continuing education or even alternate degrees, and thought it would be really good to add this dimension, you know, with your background, what you're seeing in Germany, what you're, what you're seeing as a, as a, I don't know if I'd call it a venture capital or equity fund leader, because you're seeing a lot of investment opportunities and money equity flowing. And probably more, as more importantly as anything, is with your Club of Rome and your other activities on equality. You know, how can this movement to the future also address uh, different aspects of equality and making sure that uh, the tide hopefully will lift, lift all boats, maybe not leave people behind. So what are the major things that you focus on? Like leading, you know, some of the experiences or background and, and maybe the thing that you're focusing on the most these days, because that will give context to some of the opinions and the perspective that you have. Okay, my background. I am a computer scientist by education, and um, I have studied artificial intelligence back in the 1980s when most people didn't even know what computer science was. And um, I, I got a PhD in psychology because as an investor, I realized very soon how important psychology is to the success of, of not only of uh, investees, but us as investors and company builders. And uh, I've found that uh, to be neglected by most um, traditional investors. And so um, because I came across some extraordinary tools that could help um, bring a more um, integral um, sustainability view into the business world and the investment world, I thought that I needed those two legs to stand on technology. So I'm a technology investor, exponential technology artificial intelligence. I have invested in companies and built companies, uh, one of which is uh, the first internet company that went public on the German stock exchange. It was the uh, internet service provider uh, back in the, um, in the uh, pre-bubble, actually, um, 1998. And uh, my current view and uh, strategy on investing is to make transformation feasible uh, in the life of uh, the 
climate change threats and other threats that existential threats, nuclear threat and artificial intelligence threats uh, that we're currently experiencing. So I believe that uh, we need the science to be applied within the latest discoveries within the business world and investing. And I, as a member in the International Club of Rome, I am hoping to make the transition feasible. We have, um, everyone is talking about the uh, sustainable development goals, and I would agree with. Um, however, I think that they are contradictory in terms with one another. For instance, if we apply number one, no poverty uh, at any cost, as uh, we have done over the past uh, several decades, uh, we will burn fossil fuels to help people get out of poverty and uh, the planetary boundaries the operating system of the planet are suffering and uh, will not sustain life the way we know know it. So we need to take a, a more integral view of the world, and we need to make sure that we implement the UN SDGs within the operating system of the planet, the planetary boundaries, uh, not, uh, which have been defined by scientists and um, which are nine. So this is what I'm doing. I'm uh, investing with uh, with the main focus to build companies that are integrally sustainable and uh, that are um, ensuring the future of life. What are some of the education and training aspects of companies making this transition in a feasible way as you're evaluating investment candidates or, or uh, looking at research? What do you see with talent and skills development that's either helping or hindering this feasible transition? There are several things. I see a um, dysfunctional investment in business world that has a very hard time understanding in what direction to go and how to address the, um, the existential threats that we have. I see a, an investment in the business and a financial world that did, has not understood that we only have 11 years to address the climate issues that we have. And I see an industry that um, even if some of the participants have understood um, that we do have these issues, we are pretty lost as to the implementation, as to what to do to participate in any way, shape, and form that we can, starting with entrepreneurs, businesses, uh, but also financial industry and, and investors. So... So we are in a, in um, we're, I, I'm really not trying to be negative, uh, but we really, really have to move fast. And uh, so um, it's, it's kind of hard to, um, to answer your question uh, because I'm, I'm working at various levels. As an investor in technology companies, we build you know, we build early stage companies from the we try to build integrally sustainable companies from the very beginning. What does that mean? That means that when we build companies from the beginning, that we look at a team that understands all the context and the integral issues that we you know we the, the entire picture, um, and we have developed various steps to do the due diligence process that which helps us understand that um, people that we're investing in really truly uh, get the picture and are ready and willing and able to work with the capital to work the 
implementation of the UN SDGs within planetary boundaries. And so I think this is the first step. I think um, people have to understand that our aim for the next 11 years is to help the companies and organizations that are empowered to implement the UN SDGs within planetary boundaries. There's no point in investing in any other company but the ones that understand that this is priority number one. So this is the strategy that they um, need to understand and build their, um, their company on. So how do we go about implementing that? How do you make sure that, let's say, uh, we get a couple of hundred uh, deals over the year, uh, and uh, how do we do the screening, and how do we do the due diligence, and what, uh, what is the process? The process is contains five steps. Number one is, uh, is the traditional financial due diligence that every investor goes through. Why that is important is because financial sustainability just as important as the environmental sustainability, uh, the social sustainability. There is no point in uh, choosing one over the other. Our motto is the parity, the equality between people, planet, and profit, and with passion and purpose. These are the six P's. It's the summary, it's the motto that makes it simple for people to follow. So what does that mean? The parity means that there is an equality in the way we look at uh, financial sustainability, social sustainability, environmental sustainability, and personal joy and happiness. There's no point uh, in doing what we're doing and suffering because people can't do that for a long time. So a personal road to life is just as important as you know having something to eat or being in a socially feasible environment and environmentally safe and so on. So this, uh, so the first step in the evaluation process is uh, the, the traditional business plan, evaluation, legal, due diligence, patents, blah, 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 to see is there a business. Number two, which, uh, which is what most investors already don't do, uh, is the sustainability aspect. Based on, you know, the very metrics, you could go to UNSDG, there are 200 and I don't know how many, 70. Uh, you can go to GIN, uh, the Irish can go to GEARS, um, you know, with the B, uh, the B Corp and other measurement criteria that we look at and we ask our industries to look at and see which ones of these sustainability criteria fit with their business and which ones are they willing to address and report so this is the second step. So that's the second uh, uh, assessment. Uh, number three is the team assessment, um, you know, whether the team works together because it doesn't make any sense if the team doesn't work together. 80% uh, of the risk of any company, any investment, lies with the team. Number four are the individual uh, of the people in the team, individual assessment. What does that mean? People tell you a lot of stuff, and if you look at the traditionally at the investment industry, venture capital, which is the one that you know I'm in, and is high risk. Uh, but I mean, it's very important because 60 to 80 percent of any economy throughout the world is fueled by the early stage by a small and medium enterprise. 
So uh, just because it's a small company doesn't mean, or a startup, it doesn't mean that they are le- they're less important in the uh, overall picture. So the assessment of individuals serves to make sure that what people tell you is what uh, what what they really that they have the capability to really fulfill what you know what the promises. If you look at the industry, and I'm doing a lot of generalizations here, is uh, you find two liars sitting standing in front of each other. You find the venture capitalists uh, lying to the uh, limited partners, saying, "Oh, we're going to deliver you the unicorns, and uh, this world you're going to make a lot of money." and so on and so on. If you look at the performance in the past of the venture capital as an industry as a whole, they have not performed. They have not kept their promises. Number two, and, and you know, the environmental degradation, to me, even to those who have performed, is not an example for success. It's actually an example for failure because they went after the money only. And we cannot eat, drink, or breathe money at the end of the day when our environment is dead. So the other liar is the entrepreneur. If you uh, if they go to the venture capitalists and ask for money, they know what the VC is looking for. So they're lying to as well as the VC towards the LP. Oh, I'm going to deliver you the J curve within two years, blah, 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 blah. And so this is something that actually nobody really wants to do, but it's you know, the common understanding that it is expected. So we're coming in and uh, try to create a totally, and not try, create a totally different different uh, structure. Uh, you know, what is the truth? Why are you doing this? What makes you believe that, you know, you're going to be the last one going to bed and you're going to be the first one getting out of bed in the morning? So what else is, what is the mission? What is your purpose? Because this is what the, the, the hidden determinant that drives the, uh, the investee. So this is number four in the test, and then we do, of course, the uh, gap analysis and decide whether or not we're going to invest. And of course, apart from the day-to-day business of building companies or identifying investees and investing in them and, and guiding them, monitoring uh, them, uh, keeping them on track, we, of course, work a lot with, um, uh, with regulators because as you know, the biggest elephant in the room is uh, the single most important criteria for success around the world. And the West is exporting this stupid paradigm that goes for, for profit only at the expense of people and the planet. So all the business schools, all you know, the only criterion for success is for profit only. And of course, our financial world, the business world is measures their success by this factor only. It's for profit only. All the other factors, environment, social, uh, governance, and so on, are considered KPIs. They're not part of the elephant in the room. So that's why one of the biggest uh, activities that we do is, uh, you know, try to change that. And um, this is what I'm doing with the Club of Rome. I'm also a fellow in the World Academy of Arts and Science, so we're really doing a lot of lobbying work to help people show that actually they lower their investment risk, their business risk, by adding what they call right now externalities to people and the planet, to be very short. Um, so, and I can tell you, as of now, it was just published in June, the European Commission published the taxonomy as a result of the work 
in the Club of Rome and others um, for sustainable finance, where they have included, you know, the so-called externalities into the taxonomy. I think if we can now start to converge a little bit or, or uh, go, go into the talent side. So, for example, sustainable finance. Uh, and what are you looking for as companies grow and what are you seeing successful companies do to grow their talent? Maybe a broader appreciation. Um, you know, the, there's, a, the, there's a dearth or a famine of, of, of the right kind of talent out there for many kinds of technology and even for the new clean energy or sustainable things people are trying to do, there's a lack of talent, let's say, or skills. What do you see with that gap or, or, or shortage? And also, what do you see as a way to overcome it? Yeah. Well, now that you have the framework um, with which we operate the first the five steps, what I clearly see is, and I can only speak for for early stage and small and medium enterprises, the small enterprises basically, is that um, there is no budget for talent development in this environment. Uh, small and medium enterprises that struggle, particularly in Europe, um, there is if there is capital to help people, you know, in the very early stages, there is no growth capital. There is no further in the, in capital to help people grow to the next level. So they go to Silicon Valley, and so we lose the talent. But even if you go to Silicon Valley, there is no investment whatsoever being done, in, in my personal assessment, in talent development other than cognitive development. So when it comes to coaching and personal development, the investments are not done. You can um, – there are companies such as Google who um, – have introduced meditation and uh, mindfulness, this and that and the other, and I could go into that. Um, but I dare say that the only reason why they do that is to keep people um, more at work uh, through food, through exercise, you know, providing them all the amenities. Um, and um, I personally believe that this meditation, mindfulness stuff, and I'm talking now about Silicon Valley is going backfire because uh, people won't stay, won't allow to be exploited as they have been this far. So that's going to backfire. Uh, free people who really um, have freed themselves through meditation won't put up with, uh, you know, working around the clock. Now, let's come back to Europe and to talent development. I, I, Again, in early stage, I don't see much. Um, we emphasize that. We allocate uh, 3% of the investment amount uh, or even more when needed to team development because we consider that to be key. Uh, but that's not part of the, uh, what, how the industry operates. Uh, the, the traditional venture capital approach is to uh, have an exit quicker, uh, quicker rather than later. And uh, so if, if uh, the startups uh, want any kind of development, they have to do it on, do it on their own. But within this uh, fast-moving world and uh, considering the fact that, you know, we have huge competition from China and they do have a, um, a different um, mindset, a different culture, uh, working even harder than uh, people in, in Silicon Valley or in America, uh, then the competition is huge and there's even less room 
for personal development. Now, coming to those who do allocate resources, time, and money uh, to to develop, there is there is a rather large movement of people who have left corporate America and uh, turn toward uh, becoming coaches, um, toward meditation. Uh, there is, um, uh, you know, this entire um, culture-creative movement, Lohas, um, who move toward, uh, you know, vegan eating lifestyles and stuff. And um, meditation and personal development, uh, you find that too, and we uh, we see it very clearly that um, more and more young people are coming uh, from a different mindset, uh, less egocentric and more world-centric, and we see that very clearly also in the response to the movement that was started by uh, Greta Thunberg with her uh, Fridays for Future by the young people. And uh, and I, I think Europe, uh, Europe is taking the lead mm-hmm. uh, with respect to sustainable finance, sustainable investing, changing the mindset. Uh, we do not expect that to come from either uh, the Americas nor from uh, Asia, from China. Mm-hmm. Um, the opposite is the case. Actually, we need to, uh, to save ourselves from, um, you know, AI-empowered uh, tools that... Uh, disintegrate our privacy. But uh, what's currently happening in Europe in response to uh, the Fridays for Future youngsters movement is uh, we see how the traditional parties, for instance, uh, the conservatives and the uh, democratic parties have uh, are losing to the Green Party uh, that is up and coming fast, but also to the uh, regressive to the Nazis. And uh, so, at the same time, the European Union is, within this, uh, how should I say, tension, is responding to the Fridays for Future movement, who are the kids. Greta, you know, being a 15-year-old girl, now 16, um, has called uh, the youngsters' pupils into the streets. And so, they are responding, and I would would think that uh, this entire sustainable finance movement from the European Commission... Um, with the taxonomy and, uh, you know, changing the legislation and trying to address the elephant in the room are very hopeful. And so we see support as investors and company builders. We see support uh, from that end because we, you know, there's no point, no matter how rich you are, and we're not Warren Buffett, um, you know, there's not enough capital to uh, make, uh, to shift uh, the, the industry, the way we do business. And uh, so we need pension funds. We need uh, money managers to join in. Uh, individual investors like us you know, don't can don't move that much capital. So as a result of the uh, of the fiscal policy of the European Commission over the past ten years, where there is no interest rates, and now the uh, the green movement, pension funds are finally moving and. Uh, are investing heavily, more heavily, willing to invest in sustainable, in renewable energy. So this is something that is helpful, and this is why we um, invoked the climate endowment. We announced it on, on June 5th, where pension funds have uh, decided to invest in renewable energy, and uh, we are willing to allocate between 20 and, uh, and 40 billion euros into this field to show how it can be done.
so lead the way, so to speak. But that's the, that's the first for us because we are usually we're not money managers, we're uh, we're uh, money owners, and uh, so. But we need to step in; otherwise, nothing will, uh, you know, it'll it, it'll change. Take more time to to shift in the right direction. What have you found effective to develop people to go from where they are and to be more successful as as things continue to change? Because you are you are investing in technology, you are investing in these new firms. What are the skills that you're trying to make sure that people develop to be successful going forward? Well, there are um, there are several um, in terms of the team. And I, I just uh, wrote about. It. I think it's uh, one of the tools that we use is five dysfunctions of the team, and uh, that's by Lencioni. So this is one tool when uh, where we assess the uh, how much trust there is in the team. Um, there are let me let me go and uh, view a little bit more concrete insight. Uh, we work with uh, with trainers, coaches, in order to. Um, to make those assessments and to develop the team. Uh, but uh, to the five dysfunctions of the team uh, are, for instance, absence of trust, uh, fear of conflict, lack of commitment, avoidance to account- accountability, and inattention to results. So this is one of the things that we do before when we do our due diligence. And depending on what comes out of, uh, of this, uh, we then um, develop a plan that the team in which we invest will be developed. However, if there is no trust in the team, that's a um, that's a sign not to invest. Uh, there are several things, uh, yeah, because people don't trust each other. So if that is uh, that's missing, and this is uh, of course an, an important aspect. Uh, to um, it's a good period. The reason why we do this is to do risk our investments. And once the investment is done, then um, we can um, develop the team. Another um, aspect in terms of uh, another tool that we use in terms of the um, individual assessment um, is the LDMA, the Leadership Lectical Decision Making Assessment, where we look at the ability of individuals to collaborate. So the collaborative capacity, how what is their, uh, how able are they to uh, to take different perspectives and uh, develop inclusive and innovative and effective solutions. Uh, that's an extremely important aspect. You mentioned inclusivity back then. And of course, that the premise for that is the ability to collaborate. Uh, if you're not able to collaborate with one another, then you won't see the perspective of the other. Uh, the, the number two um, factor that is tested in, um, in, this, um, in this LDMA tool that we have often used over the past uh, decade is contextual uh, thinking. That's the ability to consider problems in terms of the broader systems and context. If we we are looking for people who are willing to implement or able and able to implement uh, no matter what, whether they develop a healthcare device or an AI system, they have to uh, look uh, to think in a, a higher context. They have to be able to take a world view, not an egocentric view of the world, uh, but an, uh, and not an ethnocentric, which would mean, oh, my tribe is the best, like uh, make America great again, uh, but take a, uh, a world view 
because only then they will be able to see the climate uh, threats that we are having, the nuclear threats, the AI threats, and so on. So uh, contextual thinking is uh, the next. Um, and number three is cognitive complexity. Of course, um, intelligent people is important um, because they, even if their moral sense is not that developed, if they are intelligent enough, they are able to grow to a level of consciousness where they see the greater, bigger picture. So they have to be able to, that's the premise. Uh, whereas when cognitive intelligence is lacking, uh, then you can't, of course, you can work hard, but you will not reach what you want to reach. These tools help us, uh, you know, identify the, the capacity to grow vertically, vertically, meaning to later stages of development, uh, away from egocentric. We uh, just give an example. When you, uh, one of the biggest problems that we have, particularly when it comes to artificial intelligence, is, uh, and you probably heard of it, is cognitive bias. People develop uh, AI applications that reflect their own levels of consciousness, so uh, or that of their uh, tribe, right? So you see that with women, you see that with a different race, you see that with uh, different countries and nations and so on. So people develop applications based on their thinking. So if we want to avoid developing AI systems that are racist, or not inclusive, or whatever you want, you need to make sure that the programmers go be educated beyond artificial intelligence tools and skills and computer science, this and that, and the other, and all this complexity, but get educated um, in terms of uh, morals and ethics and uh, world-centric views and so on. Think outside the box. And that's currently not the case. So when we invest, we want to make sure that the people in which we are invested already have that training. And uh, we need to make an assessment how far we want to go in terms of investing further in order to compensate for that lack, uh, lack of education. And uh, so that's a very complex, uh, complex uh, issue. This is perfect because it complements, like I said, the traditional approach that a lot of large companies you know, have to take from going from in-house training to platforms and a lot of the basic things that they do, but you're taking a very uh, diagnostic and very um, developmental and, and holistic approach because you're dealing with smaller numbers of people and you also have a different purpose in mind. A couple of big questions uh, remaining. First, what are the sources of talent that you're finding? You know, Are the traditional ways working where you you pull people from university or traditional paths, or, or there's some non-traditional uh, avenues as well that you're finding? Both. We've, um, well, we've been in this market, we've been investors for 25 years, twenty more than 25 years. And um, so we we received those applications from universities. Um, we don't even have to do much. We're known. People find us, but we have regular, we go to conferences and receive applications. And, uh, um, of course, universities and research institutes are a great source for, uh, for this kind of um, uh, for ideas and, and companies. However, I, I believe that there are – I would like to go back to, uh, to the, the vertical 
learning uh, and the horizontal uh, development growth. When the model that we are actually using is uh, Ken Barber's integral model. Uh, this is uh, the foundation of our investment. Uh, one of the smartest people on the planet today, uh, he's the inventor of integral theory. And uh, I have not come across over the past, I don't know, decades, um, any any model that is more inclusive than, uh, and more developed than uh, this philosopher's. And... Um, so basically what he's using, he's taken uh, the platonic values, the true, the good, and the beautiful, or arts, morals, and science, and says, well, these are aspects of the human life that cannot be uh, reduced to one another. You cannot, these beauty um, and uh, individual subjective uh, opinion of who you are in yourself cannot be reduced to what the society outside the environment is, uh, nor what scientific method does. They, these aspects of who I show up, my behavior is a direct function of who I am on the inside and the culture that I live in. And so every exterior, there is an interior. So, and this is extremely important. Once we understood that, um, as human beings, then we will stop reducing the world to one aspect, namely the outside, because we spend our days looking on the outside and we believe that that's us. But those of us who've spent some time, <laughs> you know, uh, looking at the world from a different perspective, we know that that is not true. So the interior actually is much bigger. The subconscious is much bigger than the conscious. And uh, it influences us. So when we do development of any kind, personal development of ourselves or that of teams, or we need to keep that in mind and consider that the interior is much, much more powerful than the exterior. But if you look at the world that we have created, we have eliminated morals and ethics and culture from uh, from the scientific point of view, and uh, very much to the detrimental of our joy and happiness, individual one. But evolution keeps going. And so all of us who are familiar with the Maslow pyramid know that eventually we all want to self-actualize, to go to the top of the pyramid. But if we want to change the world and make it better, we need to fulfill the bottom of the pyramid. Otherwise, everything falls apart like a house, house of cards. So in other words, if you go into the vertical development of an organization, you need to make sure that horizontally that the culture and the person is happy as well. Because we all know that people who go out and kill other people, they have had a bad childhood. Um, the, the environment didn't take care of them. Uh, and it all falls back to all of us. So we're not that separate after all. So, but I don't want to become philosophical, although this is a very philosophical and it is a very spiritual thing. I've been a meditator for 40 years. If you want to go into the, uh, the levels of development, uh, there are other models. For instance, Action Logic, uh, Suzanne Cook-Reuter is, um, is one of my great teachers and role models. She developed the uh, leadership development uh, test that we also use. The sentence completion test is uh, another uh, vertical development tool. Um, that helps us see, make a, um, a quick assessment of the people that we're talking to, because everyone that you talk to uh, has their, his or her level of consciousness on their lips. 
the words that we use, uh, they are a direct ref- reflection of where we stand on the inside. And uh, so, and so, Robert Keegan of Harvard and Suzanne Cookwriter of Harvard, they have developed tools based on the language development of uh, individuals in order to make that assessment quickly. And uh, so, there are various actual logic from um, the opportunist to uh, opportunist to um, the ironic. And uh, there the, there are also numbers that share, uh, you know, in terms of um, leaders. CEOs of bigger companies, what percentage are at what level? For instance, 30% of the U.S. Uh, adults are achievers, uh, which are focused on delivering results and effectiveness and so on. And only 0.5% are focused on what we would currently need, a world-centric view of the world, where we consider uh, the environment and implementing the U.N. SDGs or other people around the planet uh, get to have a good life as well within planetary boundaries. So, and if you look at these numbers, and I, you know, I've written extensively on this, uh, then you see where the gaps are. We need to help people evolve quicker to where they have a more world-centric view rather than an egocentric or an ethnocentric view. And we see in all, you know, if you look at Hungary, for instance, Orban or Trump in the United States, you see how uh, you know that how regressive we are currently working, you know, uh, becoming more protective and trying to raise more uh, walls rather than become more open and help each other and support each other because we don't have a worldview and understanding that we're actually the bad air doesn't stop at national borders. In, in summarizing, we use tools to uh, to make these assessments and uh, help people through their activities, in our case, company building and organizations, contribute. And, and get rid of the separation because people are not happy if they're doing one thing. You, you need to, uh, it's just like doing sports. You have to have a spiritual practice. You have to have a physical practice. You can't go and work out once and then, oh, that's done for the rest of my life. You have to continue growing. And yet in a, in, in a company setting, uh, the, the frameworks are not in place so that people can feel appreciated and supported anyway. So we try to change that. One large question I think that's been implied in a lot of what you said also is how can governments or public organizations work with the private sector to bring about better development of talent and better evolution? Well, uh, (laughs) very great question, and I'm sure you have uh, many answers. My view is that um, education is key. And um, if you have children like you do and I do, then you know that our kids have become rebellious against the current educational systems and systems in general and the structures that we've put in place that do not reflect their own levels of consciousness. They do not reflect their understanding of the world. And uh, and yet we still force them to go to school and get the degree that they actually detest because they uh, they reject their professors. I see um, so much around me, young people, brilliant people, smart people who just refuse to go to traditional universities and, and acquire uh, regular diplomas. They, uh, particularly in the West, I know that's different in, in China, but they they refuse to play the game because they see the bigger picture. So I hear everywhere I go, the kids of my 
friends. You know, they go to university. Oh, this is an elite university. Let me study this and that and the other. And after a while, they see that their professors don't even speak English properly. They have not the same amount of information as they do through the Internet because all professors don't use the tools, skills, the Internet, the platforms. They don't have a clue about what's going on in the world, but the young people do. And so uh, the respect is, uh, is not there. And uh, so I'm very curious as to how quickly uh, you're asking what the governments can do, uh, how, how quickly the governments are learning. They are just as helpless and hopeless locked uh, to respond, uh, you know, in responding to uh, the new technology. We haven't talked about the exponential tech, uh, which is actually, uh, as a, I invested in the internet, we saw it in the mid-90s in, in Silicon Valley, actually, at the same time when Elon Musk saw it. And, uh, but we didn't invest the same way he did. <laughs> we came over, um, uh, we came to Germany. But uh, exponential tech is here. And our structure, our systems have not kept up. We don't even have uh, fast internet. We don't, uh, let alone our systems. You know, professors don't use in Europe, and I'm sure that's not different in, in India or Silicon Valley is probably the exception. Uh, people don't use um, the professors of my my son in in high school would even have an email. They wouldn't use email. I couldn't write them an email, and I'm not the exception. I'm the rule. We are hopelessly lost to exponentially growing technology. So I don't know that uh, humans will evolve as fast as uh, the AIs will evolve. And we will probably begin to use them to save ourselves quicker than, uh, than we think. And I hope we will. This is my hope. I hope that technology will help us overcome the problems that we have right now because we don't understand we don't grow as fast as, as technology does and our kids get it and um so the response to a long answer to your question is i believe the education system needs to change it needs to change fast unfortunately those who can't change it don't get it so i i don't know maybe the chinese will uh, get there faster because they don't have old structures to sustain uh, or that are pulling them back but what I don't like about the Chinese um, aspect is, as an old communist, I grew up in communist Romania. I used to, uh, for years after moving to Germany, uh, we used to speak, uh, uh, you know, very uh, low voice because we were afraid that the walls were listening. And now uh, we have our own devices that are listening in bed with us. So, but we don't have the moral laws to prevent, uh, you know, Facebook from giving our information away because we didn't catch up early enough to what can happen to us. And so now we're pretty lost to unethical people like Zuckerberg, for instance, to decide our future. So I am very militant in my approach, and I think we have to be. Otherwise, we're going to lose our privacy. And as long as Snowden is not allowed to come back to home to his family, something is wrong with what we call democratic systems. Appreciate the uh, commentary. Uh, obviously, brilliant thoughts, and I uh, appreciate you sharing them. The last big question that I had was, if you're speaking to the a leader in a large company, so let's just say in Europe, in, in the U.S., and anywhere in, in the world, you large company, and they're trying to grapple with 
how to develop their people and do it in, in an enlightened way, as you mentioned. What, what advice would you give to, to that senior executive? Just start um, becoming more humble and uh, start growing themselves and um, begin to look at the world, not on the outside, but on, on the inside and listen and talk to young people, teenagers, and see what they care about and try to unlearn what they know because what's, what they know is old and outdated. And even if you don't, didn't like the remarks I made, uh, political remarks I made, um, they are very much connected to what I would tell them because it's not right. And as long as we're not allowed to talk like this freely and to address these issues, we are creating the wrong systems that are detrimental to our own. So personal growth and education and team growth and company development is intimately connected to the freedom that we can have as a democracy. And how can you create a democracy in a company and develop your team if on the outside you're not allowed to say what you want to say? And if your own government doesn't implement the things to protect the right law, to protect you and your privacy. I appreciate you saying that. And uh, one of the reasons why I really enjoy talking with you and, and uh, like the panel we had before was that there was such a uh, diversity of opinion and also some of these things were brought out very, uh, very clearly. And it was it was a healthy, healthy environment. Is there any last thing you'd like to add uh, before we wrap it up? Well, thank you for doing the work you're doing, and um, I wish you good luck with uh, with it. I'm curious uh, uh, <laughs> to uh, to what the result is of your research because um, I, uh, you know, I I I'm not the traditional corporate person. I'm building small and and, and enterprises and doing investing and trying to change the way we build companies from the very beginning, because that's where our hope is, in my view. That's where young people can get access to capital to um, make their dreams come true and create a new society that is more evolved and more responsive to the needs of the growing population and of the suffering earth. And if these people are not supported uh, with money, with tools, with skills, with the appropriate, appropriate legislation, then everything will fall apart. Thank you so much for uh, your time. Uh, as a person who grew up yeah. very conservatively and has been an evolution, of course, having um, a lot of good, uh, diverse uh, opinions and, and environments, you know, over the years, especially <laughs> trying to shut up and listen a little more often. Um, I really enjoyed your discussion. Some of it's uncomfortable because it's not a polite, how do you train a few more people? How does somebody make a, you know, more profit? Uh, it's a broader discussion. And I try to put forward this whole idea of a triple bottom line, you know, people, planet, and profits, not quite your six Ps, but, um, the way you've articulated it is, um, so much more, so much more depth and uh, reach. And also, I do think now that no change happens unless, until people are beyond their comfort zone. And there are status quos that have to be challenged somewhat, either extremely aggressively or at least more quickly than they are today. So I think whatever that, that range is, it does need to change. And um, hopefully we can work together. And to the extent that I can, this Knowledge Institute, the Infosys Knowledge Institute, one goal that I have is that part of our work 
is above and beyond typical corporate work and that we will be affected. So I appreciate what you said. It's challenging. It's inspiring. And we'll take it one step at a time. And in the, in the meantime, please keep doing what you're doing. I really appreciate it. Same here. Thank you so much, Jeff. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Subscribe to the podcast and newsletter to receive notifications about new episodes. For more on Dr. Bosazan and the investment turnaround, visit investment-turnaround.com.